Rockers. Welcome to Hoosier Illusion, hosted by me, Neil Tafflinger, and Ryan J. Downey, two grown-up hardcore punks, longtime journalists, and longtime friends born and bred in Indianapolis, Indiana. After growing apart, we're reuniting to talk about who we were, who we are, and where we're going. Follow along as we navigate the rugged terrain of our mental landscapes, littered with pop culture, subculture, and the odd reference to Johnny Ringo, James Dean, Axl Rose, and other notable Hoosiers. And this is Ryan J. Downey. In this episode, Neil and I talk about our relationship to and our experience with antidepressants. Yeah, so this is definitely something I've never said in public. Uh, I am on antidepressants. Um, what are they? SSSRI. I I get the initials. SSRIs. Yeah, I get the initials confused between antidepressants and the organization that Howard Stark and Peggy Carter started that predated Shield. Let me just say, antidepressants are a hell of a drug. There's, there's all of our, I, I, there's our personality in two sentences. Good night. Yep. Um, I'm, I am undecided about the overall effective effectiveness of antidepressants, I suppose. Um, but I know that in my personal experience, whether it's placebo, uh, whatever, whatever the case may be, um, I haven't found anything better yet. And it's not for lack of trying, whether it's diet, exercise, philosophy, religion, so on and so forth, whatever it is or, that we're looking for. Or cruise ships that never dock. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Let's not even explain that. Let's see who gets it. But I don't think antidepressants are some sort of cure-all. You know, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Uh, you know, I've been on them for... Six years now, and there's been a couple of times where I either forgot to take them for some period of time, or ran out of a prescription and didn't get it filled um, quickly enough. And one ill-advised time where I, where I thought um, I'm just going to take myself off of these. Um, <laughs> been there. Bad where idea. yeah, where I've learned that um, for better or worse, whatever it all means. Um, coming off that shit is insane and i feel like my experiences with withdrawal frankly because that's what it is um were uh pretty tame compared to the experience of the last 48 to 72 hours um so basically uh my prescription ran out at some point early to mid last week um and, you know, by Wednesday or Thursday, I realized that I was out of my brain pill. And um, by Monday morning, I was out of my mind. 
<laughs> um, and it's strange because you know what, what are your symptoms like? Um, Un, unmedicated. What what's happening inside your brain? Well, you know, something that my psychiatrist said to me today that I think is an important distinction is that coming off of antidepressants isn't the same as being off antidepressants. Yeah. Um, and that he, you know, he was careful to to point out a major distinction between symptoms I'm having, which are withdrawals, which are not to be equated with what life may be like were I to decide to not be on these and to come off them properly. Yeah. Um, and that was actually, as much as I intellectually understood that, that was uh, encouraging to hear. Because, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm just used to whatever level of maintenance antidepressants provide that, uh, I, I don't know, I just didn't expect, I didn't expect to notice. I expected that I would get a refill around today, which I did. Um, and that not much would change or that I certainly wouldn't be able to discern any sort of change. And, yeah. and, and, and honestly, uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I played a little game where I asked the psychiatrist what the symptoms were and he said, how much time do you have? Um, <laughs> a lot of people experience a lot of different symptoms uh, right. of withdrawals and that, um, you know, he hasn't heard very much that doesn't sound like it, uh, was correct, I guess. Um, so in my case, cold sweats akin to being ill, um, ripping headaches, uh, oh. uh, something that I've heard described as brain zaps, <laughs> which I, I, I don't even, I asked, I asked what those were today and, uh, cause he used the term also. And, I don't know. No one's been able to accurately describe them, but I'm pretty sure I had them. Is it like a jolt? I, like, are you riding the lightning? Kind of. <laughs> a jolt cola while ride it, ride the lightning. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, the the scariest thing about it was being struck for a period of about twenty, thirty minutes, maybe, with a deep melancholy seemingly out of nowhere uh this yeah. happened sunday afternoon um and being in a situation where i should otherwise be at least content if not happy um and suddenly being overcome by the idea that i could just cease to exist and that would be fine i don't um, want to go too dark here but yeah did your did your psychiatrist discuss potential for suicide as a side effect of coming off antidepressants incorrectly he didn't um he didn't seem surprised when i said to him what i just said to you yeah um he probably didn't want to introduce any ideas either yeah i mean and he definitely took it very seriously and he did tell me that um i should feel like myself again within a couple of hours of refilling that prescription um yeah and he was correct. Um, and of course, you know, I, one of the problems I think probably both of us have had in life is we're constantly trying to outsmart everything. Um, <laughs> and, a, yeah. and, a, and a big part of acceptance is giving in to things that we can't outsmart or that we don't need to be outsmarting. Yeah.
I, I've accepted that at least once a week I'm not the smartest person in the room. Oh, well, I haven't gotten that far, but <laughs> but I have accepted that I that I, I don't need to outsmart whether whether or not antidepressants are good for me or good for humanity. Um, right. I've accepted that they're working for me, and to a point, I'm I'm accepting what a trained medical professional is telling me about them, yeah. uh, with the realization and maybe even expectation that the science will change and evolve and you know maybe 10 years from now they'll say it's insane we prescribe those to people and they'll know something more than they do now but for now yeah. this is kind of what they quote unquote know and i'm accepting it because it's working for me yeah. um you'll I, in 10 years you'll be jumping up and down on the couch of the show hosted by oprah's hologram <laughs> exactly <laughs> because i love katie holmes i love her <laughs> And then I'll and then I'll be very angrily debating Matt Lauer with that same look of certainty that we had once upon a time, debating people about all sorts of other stuff that sounded just as wacky. Um, he, he was definitely judging Matt Lauer silently. It was um, Shelby Judge, bro. Uh, so yeah, it was um, the only thing that kept it from being utterly horrifying was recognizing, okay, there is a logical explanation here. I am suffering from withdrawals from antidepressants. And, uh, and there is a solution, which will be um, regulating this shit once more um, after I get myself back into the psychiatrist. And, uh, you know, it, was, it, was, it really was that simple. But yeah, while it was happening, it was pretty terrifying. It was pretty terrifying on Sunday when I had this uh, intrusive thoughts. Uh, for a little for a moment um which is astonishing because it's just so not um who i am or who i think of myself as someone who is capable of having those thoughts you know um have you had them in the past or was this your first experience with them i have but it was my first um i've struggled with that before but never at any real length and never and this was the first time that they're that they're this is probably the most important distinction. There weren't extenuating circumstances. You know, I've struggled with those thoughts at like the lowest point of my personal life, um, which is by no means where I'm at now. Uh, so that was probably what was most troubling <laughs> was, yeah. was uh, like, hey, everything's pretty good. Like what is happening in my brain right now? Um, yeah. that's, and that's interesting because I actually feel great right now. And I had intrusive thoughts tonight before I came here. Like, and mine are not, they're not ever about self-harm. They're about harming others, which is always fun because then you're like horrified and you feel guilty. Yeah. But you can't control it. Well, and that's such a, uh, you know, and topics we will no doubt explore as this podcast unfolds and evolves into what it can be. But the understanding that, you know, what's broken about us is, isn't any different than a, what's broken about a lot of people, but B then having some sort of more traditionally commonly accepted type of, uh, ailment, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it, it, uh, those intrusive thoughts of yours are, you shouldn't be any more or less ashamed of them than you would be of having, um, you know, you know, take your pick, you know, uh, and, and that's something obviously that's um, changing in our culture and is beginning to have a little bit more acceptance. Uh, but for me is, you know, with 
uh, Irish Catholic stoicism and, uh, you know, uh, uh, a caregiver um, as an elementary aged child and a, a caregiver type personality slash withdrawal from emotions, you know, all through my teens and 20s and 30s. Um, you know, it's hard to accept uh, that there's anything wrong uh, in my brain. Uh, when I first sought treatment and um, was prescribed antidepressants about six years ago, it was a relief to sit down with someone, explain what was going on, um, and have them say, oh, uh, yeah, you check these boxes, and this is what's happening. That was, it was already a relief to have some, to, for, for, to have one, to have someone say, um, oh, this and this is wrong, as opposed yeah. to just, you know, you're a mess and it's all confusing. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, like, I don't know. I liked that it fit into a box for someone. Um, and then it was even more of a relief to then ask, well, uh, what do we do about it? And have the answer be, we take care of it. Here yeah. are the steps we go through. You know, I, I likened it to, you know, someone that doesn't know anything about cars bringing your car to the mechanic and going, ah, oh, my car's doing this weird thing and this crazy thing and it makes this noise. And then they go, yeah, your transmission is slipping. Uh, so we're going to get in there and take it apart and diagnose what's wrong with it and either rebuild it or replace it. And here's how we're going to do that. And here's how much it's going to cost and how long it's going to take. Um, they've done it for a thousand other cars and they're all the same. Yeah. And I, I loved that. Um, that was the biggest turning point in all of this for me was, uh, sitting down with someone and, and getting a diagnosis and a prescription like you would, uh, you know, a broken computer. Uh, yeah. so, you know, with all of that being said, it was, uh, a chilling reminder to a point, but yeah, it was, I don't know. It, it was an interesting roller coaster the last couple of days to be sort of put in check of what, withdrawing from something is and and, and i and i kind of imagine i mean of course it's got to be so small relative to someone who's addicted to opioids or you know methamphetamines or any number of things food uh, you know like so many things that are like harder to withdraw from just going through that for a couple of days of withdrawing from something is relatively innocuous as antidepressants and seeing um, how hellish it was. And I couldn't concentrate on things, you know, work-wise yesterday. And, you know, I was just, uh, minds racing and, um, yeah, yeah it's fucking wild. Well, and, and that's, I think one of the, there's a benefit to, uh, psychiatric medicine being more normal and, and accepted now. There's also a downside, which is, Brain chemistry is still delicate, and antidepressants are not innocuous in the way that uh, amoxicillin is. You know, like mm. uh, it, it's it's still you're still fucking with the computer. You know, um, and I don't. I can't remember if I told you when in real time what was happening. We definitely. I don't think discussed it on recording. Um, but I was out of care on all my medicine for the month of December. Yeah. Uh, we, and we did talk about it, but yeah, but not on the podcast yet. 
and my experience was was radically different, but also negative and upsetting. Um, you know, my I my insurance plan changed, and I didn't understand. It wasn't clear when it changed, uh, the effect it would have on my prescription costs. But um, you know, the multiple prescriptions I'm on to address my type two diabetes and then my depression either quadrupled or octupled or somewhere in between. So um, I couldn't get a refill. We didn't have cash flow to cover, you know, instead of what, what should have been a hundred bucks was now going to be like 700 for a three month supply of the stuff that I needed. Um, and Christmas uh, when you own a retail business is not a good time to really be dealing with anything uh, outside of uh, basic necessities. Um, so I went through the month of December, you know, our busiest season at the store, three young kids, my wife's run ragged from actually running the store full time. Um, and I'm off meds. Um, and finally I, I learned that when you pay cash for generics, something that uh, the, I can't remember what they're called, basically they're brokers that decide what a pharmacy is going to pay an insurance company for a specific formulary. Um, you know, instead of my generic antidepressant being $100, it was going to be 8 Um so I did that and then I felt immediately better. And what I realized was that my, my withdrawal was just basically being deflated. You know, like I didn't feel like I was upright anymore. I just felt, just felt less than, um, and then I got back on my meds and felt better, but not great. And I called the doctor after about a month to, check on getting an increased dose because the the previous fall before I went off meds I had been taking it in the morning and at night and this new prescription just said once a day um, so I called and said hey I, I might have been taking too much last fall but I felt really fucking good so can we talk about upping my dose and they said well you know 600 milligrams is too much I was like well uh, okay, but I don't think I was ever on that much. And <laughs> what, what they what they determined was that when I moved my prescriptions to another pharmacy where I was going to pay cash, uh, they sent an old script before it had been updated to my correct dosage. So after being off meds for a month, I was on a half dose for a month, and sometime in you know, February, early March, I actually got on the right dosage. And uh, like it was hours, like within hours, I was like, perfect. I love it. I'm great. Um, and it doesn't, like you said, it's not a, it's not a panacea. It's not going to fix everything, but the best, some of the best advice I got from my dad on anything, um, was about antidepressants. Cause he has been on them since the eighties, um, when side effects were a lot more severe and withdrawal was a lot more dangerous than it is now. Um, and he said that being on an antidepressant is like 
coming up from being two feet underwater. So your whole life you've just been just below the surface, drowning, but you know not able to get up to the surface. And the antidepressants will bring you up to the surface. The surface is not calm. The surface is going to be choppy. You're going to be thrown around. There's going to be good days and bad days. But at least you're on the surface now. You can yeah. actually start learning how to be on the surface, whereas before you're just fucked. Like there's nothing you can do and no skills that you acquire are going to be able to solve the problem because you're not built to be underwater. One of the negative uh, attitudes towards uh, antidepressants, I think, is the idea that you're taking a happy pill. You know, or, 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 or there's some people who might be listening to this and hear us say, I was like this and it was all crazy. And then I took one and I was like, okay, cool. Now I'm chill. Um, it's not in my experience anyway, it isn't dulling me. It isn't, uh, giving me some false sense of fulfillment. It isn't making me happy. Um, it's not making me high. Uh, it makes me feel normal. It makes me feel like a normal person who functions like everyone else and has yeah. happiness and sadness and joy and pain and, and is living life like other humans because yep. prior to any kind of treatment and prior to that, I felt other than, and I felt, uh, yeah, like your dad described it, uh, constantly underwater, constantly, um, yeah. And, and, and if there is some sort of fogginess or some, you know, dampening or, or uh, you know, lowering of the intensity of the raging flame that allows me to go out and blah, blah, blah. For any of that, if any of that's true, um, I'm happy to make that trade uh, yeah. in exchange for the, uh, the way things were before because it was just, um, you know, I don't know, what wasn't living, you know. Yeah, and it's it's funny. It's funny if there are still people who who see it as a happy pill or or um or some sort of uh fix to make your problems go away because the first year or two that I was on antidepressants the second time because I was on them in college and then went off for a decade and that was real dumb. Um maybe longer than a decade. Um, once I got off the end, once I got on antidepressants the second time, that's when shit really started going crazy because now I was having to deal with things the way a quote unquote normal person would, mm -hmm. except I did not have the skills or the experience of a normal person. Right. It was like being put on an alien planet with all this new stimulus and you know, it's like uh, emotionally it was like coming out of a dark room into sunlight. Like, you know, your pupils snap and everything's overwhelming and you're squinting because there's all this shit that you just have never felt or had to deal with before. And now you're, you're just drinking from the fire hose. Yeah, and I, I would I would say a, a a good comparison for me that would be similar would be I was in the same room that I had always been in, but someone turned the lights on, and yeah. I went, you know, oh, I had been, 
I'd been petting this like warm thing next to me, thinking it was a cat. Turns out it's a fucking porcupine. Like I don't, I don't want this in here. Get it out of here, you know. Like, and there was the lights coming on, as wonderful as it is to be able to see in a darkness that you couldn't see in before. Um, was also able to identify some things that were in that room that I needed to move the fuck out of there, and some things that were in there that were, you know, like oh, I that gentle uh, scratching at my ankle. That's been a rat that's chewing on me. Um, and while all of that's good, it by no means was easy, which I think is what you're saying too. It's like, it yeah. wasn't like, yay. And, and I, I'm very thankful that I, and, and I'm, I'm only even realizing just as you and I are talking about it right now, how some of it may have even been connected. Um, I had a couple of major life changes and sort of upheavals in my day to day after getting on antidepressants and i've always looked back at that and been like oh thank god that that was like you know that i was that i was taking care of myself a year before um some of this shit happened you know yeah. I, I mean i <laughs> i was um being treated uh for obsessive compulsive disorder and depression and um a little bit of anxiety um i don't i i i, I I'm apprehensive about throwing that one in there because I think there are people who really suffer with anxiety and that's kind of their number one. And for me, the, uh, the OCD is, uh, leading the charge, the depression <laughs> and the, uh, and the anxiety are like, um, you know, tributaries from the raging river. That's, it's <laughs> my OCD. If I, can, if I can steal your, your room metaphor, mm -hmm. uh, the thing that, the thing that I saw clearly when the lights came on that was really troubling was myself. Mm -hmm. Like actually getting a clear view of myself in daylight um, and realizing how much of the unhappiness in my life was a direct result of my approach to it. Um, regardless of the cause, you know, like... I wasn't really in control of the depression, but, you know, it led me to do things that I then had to look at uh, and accept in the moment um, and then decide, you know, what am I going to do about this? Like, am I going to, am I going to make different decisions moving forward? And if so, do I need to make amends? You know, do I need to forgive myself? Do I need to forgive other people? You know, not to sound like I'm shirking off, uh, responsibility for my own situation because ultimately we're all responsible for our situations but for me that that room was the lights coming on it wasn't so much about seeing myself in the mirror with the lights on as it was seeing things that were in the room that i wasn't aware of or that were it that i was aware of but misunderstood their nature and um seeing things in the room that i was fully aware of before but in the new light was able to go, I don't, why am I letting this just, you know, <laughs> I, I knew, I knew I brought this glass of orange juice in here and I knew that I had a couple sips and then I left it there to sit and that it's become, you know, rancid and fermented and rotten. Uh, but man, <laughs> now that the lights are on, um, I don't, I, gosh, it looks so disgusting. I got to get that out of here. Um, you know, there were, there were a, a few of those things and, and yeah, I'm so thankful that, that that all happened. Um, 
you know, uh, I had, like I said, I had a, a succession of um, momentous changes in my life. One, one of them was uh, ending a 10-year-long professional relationship that was wickedly unhealthy. Um, that that all happened after getting treated. Um, Jason McCash, who we both know, uh, passing away happened... Um, you know, a year or so after I'd gotten on antidepressants, um, yeah. and uh, and he passed away uh, just maybe a month before my uh, relationship of ten and a half years ended unexpectedly. Uh, so, as, yeah, as much as um, all those things sort of happening in close proximity to one another was traumatic, um, I had tools with which to deal with them that I wouldn't have had had all those things happened even just a year before and it's yeah. and in some of those cases especially as we're talking about it now i'm realizing um you know there might be some causality there where um the fact that i was in a, a different headspace so to speak um uh sort of led to some of those some of those situations um resolving themselves as they did whereas they may have continued for better or worse uh you know, in perpetuity, uh, had I not gotten my shit yeah. together. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, this is something that I've, that I've thought a lot about with, with my own marriage and with my relationship with my kids. When I'm, when I'm occupying space differently, when I'm, when I am coming, when I'm in the house in a different shape, in a different way than I used to be, there's going to be unintended consequences, some good, some bad, maybe, um, because other people, you know, number one, they're going to, it's going to take them a while to trust that this is who I am in mm. this moment. And that, you know, I, I may change again, but like the, that this is that the old version of me is not going to come back at least on a, on an ongoing basis. Um, and then they start, reacting they start reacting to me differently they start being maybe truer versions of themselves than they were otherwise so um it's it's like a yeah working through your stuff um there's all sorts of ripple effects that um if they're not direct results of it are definitely related That does it for this episode of Hoosier Illusion. It's a new podcast, and if you're enjoying it, the best way you can help us is to leave a five-star rating and a nice little review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. And make sure to subscribe. All of these things help with visibility for the podcast and people discovering it and getting a chance to listen in on what it is we're trying to do. You can follow Hoosier Illusion on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if we can inspire you in any way with this episode and this show in general, hopefully it's to take care of yourself, take care of your relationships, and make time for the people you love.